Hello, soccer fans. Major League Soccer has made its return here in North America with some glorious action that only MLS can produce. Things keep getting worse and worse for Chelsea and Liverpool. Plus, the first major trophy of the season has been claimed. We're going to get to it all. Grab your scarves. We start right now. Welcome into the supporter section. I am Cole Carter, and this is episode 60 and our one-year anniversary of the podcast. Go ahead and leave a like and subscribe to the supporter section if you have not already, because today's episode is going to be a good one. I have my two friends here with me, Stephen Curl and Brandon Patesnick. And gentlemen, we've got loads of soccer going on now with the start of MLS. We've had the Carabao Cup, Premier League, Champions League. It's a good time to be a fan of sport, isn't it, Steve? Oh, yes, it's quite wonderful. Uh, United, Atlanta United, that is, did the good old play terrible for 90 minutes but still win the game trick. So I'm locked in. MLS Cup champs for Atlanta United. I love sports. I'm so excited. I get to be heartbroken in America with Atlanta United and in North London with Tottenham. Let's get into it, baby. Brandon, is your cup full right now? Yeah, it is. I really honestly can't keep up. Um, and with the ups and downs of Atlanta United and what will be Aston Villa, I mean, I don't know where to go, but I'm going to enjoy the ride. As you should, which I'll go ahead and get things started. We're going to do our golden scarf of the week, the person, the team, thing, whatever we thought deserves some praise from the previous week. And I'll get started with that Atlanta United player that made some headlines Talking about Tiago Almada, the young 21-year-old World Cup winner from Argentina. As you guys said, Atlanta United behind for most of the game until the 93rd minute when he has an equalizing banger from outside the box off of a corner set piece. And then four minutes later at the death, the 97th minute, the 7th minute of extra time, getting a free kick wonder goal to win the game for Atlanta United. Scenes everywhere, beers going flying in the supporter section, guys. An amazing start to the season, and Tiago Mata might just earn himself an extra $5 million on his price tag come this summer. But Steve, your Scarf of the Week goes to who? Yeah, my Scarf of the Week is going to go to a team, actually. Um, not going to see this one coming. It's going to go to the Hammers at West Ham United. Uh, if you don't recall, my money pick this last week was a draw between Nottingham Forest and West Ham. And David Moyes must have been watching the pod uh, because they went out and battered Nottingham Forest 4-0. Uh, Danny Ings on the double. And my scarf of the week is just going to West Ham. This team we're constantly told is too good to get relegated. And first of all, that's never true about any team. But they went out and displayed their class today um, or this past week. So it was cool to see from a huge team, um, historically in the premier league. So scarf of the week's going to them four nil going to the supporters. Hope they enjoyed that one. So good on the hammers for picking up the three points. Oh, I, I might've froze there. Sorry. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Uh, it must be going in and out. Um, I have to give it to Real Madrid. Um, going down 2 nothing at Anfield, then bouncing back with five unanswered goals to maybe seal the tie into the next round. We'll get into it later, but uh, what a turnaround for them and, and the fashion that they did it in, you know, with the goalie mistake and all that. 
that's that's a tough turnaround, even to get a result, just a draw. But then they go and batter Liverpool. Absolutely amazing by them. Congrats to Real Madrid on that game. Yeah, I don't think it was the start Liverpool fans thought they were going to get. They started out hot and things went south. As you said, we'll mention more of that in a minute. But we'll start first with the Premier League Match Week 25, getting things going with Everton and Aston Villa. Brandon, the rundown on Villa's success against Everton looked like what? Yeah, just uh, sort of what we previewed. It was going to be a little bit of back and forth. I'll play your game, you play my game. Um, honestly, Everton probably looked better overall on the day. Um, I think they were unlucky to not get something from this game. Um, but yeah, Aston Villa remain unbeaten against Everton since coming back up in 2019. Um, Ollie Watkins puts one in on a on a penalty. I think John McGinn got taken down the box. It was definitely a penalty. Uh, that's five and five for Ollie. So that golden scarf could have gone to him again this week. But uh, and then Emmy Buendia scores against Everton again. He likes scoring against him. He doesn't score much, but he definitely he likes scoring against Everton. Um, so yeah, you know that that puts Everton back into the relegation zone. Did, did either of you watch this game to to get a better feel of what Sean Dyche's Everton uh, would look like? Maybe Cole. I have not seen it, um, but I can only imagine Sean Deitch is just trying to figure out what he can do to keep this team up still. Um, he's, what, three games in, I think it is now? Um, yeah. And he still has his work cut out for him. There's still a lot of time left in the season. Um, that race is as tight as it's ever going to be. Um, so I don't think that he's panicking. He's not a manager that's going to press the panic button. He's sort of learned you know, what this relegation zone is like, having coached with Burnley. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's going to be any time for him to be pressing the panic button. Everton, Everton, you know, they are a decent side. They're better than most championship sides are going to be. Um, so I think they should be in the premier league. Um, but Villa, you know, they have some talent. Ali Watkins is as hot as you can be. Um, yeah, I think their identity is still forming under Sean Deitch and I think they'll be fine in the long run. Um, but obviously not a good result to lose 2-0 to, uh, Aston Villa. I love it. I love it. Yeah, Sean Dyche is keeping the boys up. I'm not worried about Everton at all. As he should not be. Uh, Steven, the, your West Ham game that you just talked about, uh, the rundown on that one, how did they get it done against Nottingham Forest? It ended up looking like a lot of goals. Yeah. Um, speaking of Villa, former Villa player, striker Danny Ings kind of made the shock move that Brandon wasn't stoked about at the deadline, if you recall. Um, offload Danny Ings to West Ham and he picked up an injury, finally informed, finally fit, going out there, displaying what he can do. I believe we went back and talked on the episode long ago about this transfer move and we said, listen, if West Ham get Danny Ings, like, there's, I'm not talking about relegation. They're staying up. And that's what happened uh, in this past game. We got to see Danny Ings in full form, scoring a brace, 71st, 73rd minute. Absolutely wild. Declan Rice getting in on the action as well. Um, he's always rumored to go in the summer, so he's trying to get that price tag up there. Um, not to mention their other striker, Antonio, picking up a goal in the 85th minute. Um, this was a game kind of dominated by West Ham. Um and as Tottenham fans, we kind of saw West Ham play. Like, they're a good side. And Tottenham ended up beating them 2-0. It's just, it's, this team just has not had 
I don't know what to say luck, but it's gone against them. Um, so it's nice to see West Ham find their form um, and take this commanding win over Nottingham Forest. I'm personally not worried about them going down anymore. Um, this is a big result. Nottingham Forest is a middle-of-the-table team that's upset a couple of top clubs this year. So yeah. um, good on the Hammers. I, this is exactly the confidence the players need, the fans need. Um so it's awesome. But, yeah, Nottingham Forest might need a big old bounce back game coming up in the future. Um, so we'll see if they might start being in our talks about relegation. But they're fine. They're fine up there, too, I believe. Yeah, and with West Ham, they have some really talented players. Um, got Bowen, um, Declan Rice, and Antonio. Like, they really are a solid side. They're still in the Europa Conference League, I think, as well. Um, David Moyes is a good manager. I am not worried about West Ham in the long run. Um, yeah, too talented, uh, too much experience overall as well. Um, having played in Europe, having played you know against big teams pretty well in the past, so I'm not worried about West Ham. Nottingham Forest, I think, is also going to be fine this year. It's a really bad week for them. Um, Keo Navas, I think, is still going to be pivotal to their season moving forward. Um, but not looking good. We have four go past you in the fashion that it did. Um, but yeah, a chance to go up against Everton at home. Um, you know, maybe get a draw. Um, just to kind of sell it back into things. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I'm not worried about Nottingham Forest. Um, I'd be more worried about the matchup between Leeds United and Southampton, uh, where Southampton loses again um, after they uh, after things got announced in the midweek, announcing that uh, the club was going to stick with the newly hired. Javi Garcia, uh, formerly at Watford, Valencia, and Al Saad. Um, Leeds, they got the win. Uh, good thing they do because this is their first win since November 5th. That's a long time to have uh, no wins going around. Uh, Junior Ferpo scored in the 77th minute, got the winner. Um, yeah, Brandon, things looking like Leeds of old. High intensity, causing turnovers, creating chances. Um, but are they still trending upwards or are they going down right at this point? Yeah, I didn't really see much of a change in this Leeds team. Um, like uh, under Javi, I think it's Grazia, I think is actually how you pronounce it, uh, versus Jesse Marsh. I think they were just back to their, you know, their normal selves, it seems like. It seems like they only know how to play one way. <laughs> um, whether that's going to keep them up or take them down, I'm still unsure of. I think probably down. But. They get a result against the worst team in the division, um, and not luckily either. I think they, they missed a good amount of chances during the game. Um, one nothing. They get the, they get the win, and that, that I think that's really all that matters. They're hoping probably that they can build off of this, especially with a new manager, a real manager coming in. Um, but I still think leads are are a little bit of a mess. Uh, at the moment, I, I don't have too much confidence coming off of this 1-0 win against Southampton that that uh, leads are in the clear. Yeah, honestly, I think both these teams are in danger. I I think it's going to probably end up being Leeds, Southampton, and Bournemouth going down. Um, that's sort of where I've landed in my prediction. And, yeah, I just think there's too much disruption within these clubs, you know, at the top, you know, dealing with the front office down in the managerial level, and there's what's happening on the field. Um, just so much inconsistency, um, lack of coordination, and just, yeah, it's it's not a good place for these clubs right now, and it's a little bit too little too late, you know, with Leeds. 
Um, bringing in the new manager, I just don't think it's going to be – it's just too little too late for me to save their season. And, um, yeah, not looking good for them. Uh, Steven, some redemption in North London. We had a North London derby this week. Tottenham and Chelsea at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And Tottenham get their first win against Chelsea since 2018 in the Premier League, Steven. My goodness gracious, it feels good. And it's funny to compare things. The two scorers for Tottenham were the homegrowns, Oliver Skip and Harry Kane. Oliver Skip getting his first Premier League goal in the 46th minute. It was off of a uh, Kepa, parries the ball out. Chelsea failed to clear it, gets to the edge of the box. And on the half volley, Oliver Skip smashes it onto the top of the bar. Kepa can only get a slight finger to it. And then in the 82nd minute, Harry Kane, the dagger in the heart of Chelsea fans, just putting it in an 82nd minute. Um, not looking good for Chelsea. Uh, haven't scored a goal in three games. Haven't scored more than one goal in a game since December 27th. That was against Bournemouth, so not really saying a whole lot. Uh, goal scoring, an obvious issue, Steve. Who or where do you think the issue lies with this Chelsea team? Is it from the manager or the players? Where do you land? It. Let me let me lay this out for you super quickly. Uh, this team is in bad shape from the very top to the very bottom. Talk about ownership, the money spent. Ruben Loftus-Cheek is starting in your midfield, and he was on loan at Fulham last year. Um, what? You don't have a striker. Kai Havertz is just out of position. It's, this t- it's not good. And this comes from a Tottenham fan, which I was like, okay, Chelsea, you know. They'll probably beat us, but after watching this game, they are abysmal. Kepa, Ariza, Balaga, they need a goalkeeper, they need a midfielder, they need a striker, um, and they don't need the 55 wingers in which they have. So, um, yeah, they need they need players all over the pitch, and I'm on the camp of, you know, Potter, like, you don't want to have a revolving door of managers, you want to give this guy time, but it's getting to the territory now where... It's not a if, you know, like, it, it's when Potter's going to get fired. Is it the next Dortmund game if he loses, if they get knocked out of Champions League? Is it if they lose to Leeds on the weekend? Like, it's starting to get to, if he doesn't get a win, which he hasn't gotten a win in the past three games, if he doesn't get a win, four games, five games, honestly, uh, including all competitions, um, it's about to be him out. But I think to answer your question of where the problem lies, it's all over the place. Um, they need the summer. They are begging for this season to end so they can clean house in the sense of players getting transferred out, players transferred in, um, new schemes, a preseason. And real quick before I get off my soapbox, you have Grand Potter coming out and talking about how the preseason these players were that they had was awful. And you're blaming Thomas Tuchel, and it's February. This is a very bad look for Potter, and it's kind of those last. You know, a manager is under pressure when he starts to blame the guy from August, right? Like this is not a good look for Grand Potter. There's so many other avenues you can go to. We don't have a striker. We want to strengthen our squad. You know, we don't have a team identity yet, but we're building on it. No, he decides to deflect and go back to Thomas Tuchel. It's the worst move he could have made. Um, obviously, I just... I'm happy as a Tottenham fan. I'm over the moon beating Chelsea. It's amazing. It happens never, honestly. So, 
Uh, like, Kepa should have arguably could have saved that Oliver Skip shot. Skip even said after the game he didn't hit it clean, which is hilarious. Um, Kane, unmarked at the back post on that second goal. It's just, like, it's elementary school defending. There's They don't look threatening whatsoever. And... Yeah, sorry. That's my soapbox for this, honestly, probably this whole episode. But it literally infuriates me how this team has so much money spent on the squad, how they went and got this manager from Brighton, and they are this bad. If I'm a Chelsea fan, like, this is bad. Like, there's Liverpool and Chelsea, but Chelsea are in, like, they're in the shitter right now. And it's it's not looking good. Sorry. That No, that's great. The irony is that... Chelsea has spent hundreds of millions of pounds this season alone, and Tottenham paid zero for those goals to be scored this week. You know, the transfer fees you talk about. Harry Kane, Oliver Skip coming from within the academy, within the system. And it's just ironic. You know, you have all that being spent, all that being done, and this season it has just not gotten them anywhere. I think at this point, I was the 14th, 15th game or something like that that Graham Potter's managed. I think him and Tuchel are almost level on points earned for the season still which is just abysmal. It's looking dire for them. Um, but for Tottenham, things are looking bright. Uh, Christian Stellini, since taking over um, for the, I guess, sick, whatever, post-surgery, Antonio Conte, um, he continues his unbeaten record as a caretaker manager. Um, I'm not saying anything regarding the situation, but I'm just saying he's done a good job filling in for Antonio. The players have responded well. Um, players looking bright. You're talking about Emerson Royale again. Christian yeah. Romero uh, looking fabulous. Doing, Getting a little bit cocky, nutmegging um, Havertz in the middle of the game. So the guys are looking good. Uh, hopefully the energy can be brought to the tournaments like the FA Cup, Champions League. Um, but Brandon, as an outsider, I guess, <laughs> is there any discussion, any thoughts more about the situation between Antonio Conte and his uh, assistant manager. <laughs> I actually haven't been following it that much, but it's funny that the assistant manager is undefeated, right? Or maybe he has six wins or something crazy, right? Like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> so it's a weird coincidence. That might mean that um, <laughs> he might be waiting till summer to come back at this point. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but uh, that's great. Tottenham, you know, maybe they needed that. <laughs> it's a weird way to start finding success. Uh, that's why I'm laughing. But, um, yeah, good good for you guys and, and good for Tottenham. I also want to talk about Chelsea real quick, if you don't mind, because I feel like we could yes. do it for now. Please do. Um, yeah, you're, you're just playing players out of position. Also, Graham Potter used to have this shape-shifting formation and it was really free soccer and all it was beautiful to watch and i don't know if it's bringing in 20 new guys maybe that was really hard to balance (laughs) maybe it's the egos and the money um but he's he's not doing that anymore so he has this rigid formation they're creating some chances but not finishing them at all and they're not playing a striker I can tell you why you're not scoring goals. You're playing uh, number 10 as a striker. Uh, this was one of the best up-and-coming 10s in the world when they bought him. And they are like, Tuchel's like, yeah, I'll play that striker. It's a mess. It's a mess. And it's continued under Graham Potter. I really think he's in trouble. Uh, I know we were talking about last week that 
you know, it doesn't make sense to fire him. And I still think it doesn't make sense to fire him until the summer. Or give him the whole summer and fire him into the next year. Mm. But, like, if you're going to fire him in the summer, if he loses the Dortmund and or loses the Leeds, you fire him now. You go with a caretaker manager. You're not making any Europe this year. And that's just understood, I think, at this point. The only way you're doing that is winning Champions League. They could do it. They have a Champions League level roster. I mean, they, they have a team for it. But if they go out against Dortmund, obviously they can't win it. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a mess. I don't know. It's also on the players, though. It's it's very much so on the players. I think Reese James had a quote this week where he came out and yeah. said, yeah, it's it's on us, too. Like, he's doing his job. We're not doing ours. So something along those lines. So, I don't know. Steve, you want to say something else? Yeah, I was just thinking in the back of my head, I was like, you know, is there usually like a top six team that doesn't have a striker that has success? And I think of Manchester City, right? They have Erling Holland this year, but it's a team that has won trophies without a striker. And that's why I'm just, I think it's the man, like, it's the manager, right? Or I, I don't know. I, it's really, I was just thinking about it. I was like, Manchester City has been doing it the past two seasons, um, excluding this season, as they're obviously in the top again. But it's teams playing with a striker, without a striker. Pep Guardiola has proved that he can do it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's hard, I to, it's hard to compare I just, Pep I with... Know. Graham Potter, I think. Also, Graham Potter looks awful. Have you seen recent For pictures sure. of him? He looks like he's aged yeah. 10 years. He looks years. like he went to war. Yeah. It looks he like looks a president awful. after two terms. <laughs> Literally. I feel yeah. bad for him, but he's definitely on the hot seat. He definitely is. Yeah. Yeah, the situation is getting more dire and dire. And I – yeah, it's crazy. Like, you don't – you don't want that continuous manager, managerial turmoil, turnover. And especially, like, the market right now for managers, I don't think is even that hot. Like, your options aren't really out there unless you want to bring in Zidane, maybe. Like, that's the only high-profile one I can think of. Um, maybe Poch, if you want to try and – Yeah, I mean, Poch, if he would even be willing to get a Chelsea, um, coming from the background of Tottenham. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you try and pry away someone else. I don't know if, you know, at the end of the year, maybe in the summer, you probably weigh Ancelotti, bring him back to Chelsea. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is for them. I know Todd Bowley uh, was at the game on Saturday, and he also looked a little rough. Um, but that's just sort of his look anyways. But Chelsea, yeah, things to figure out. The players need to start taking responsibility if they want any chance of maybe the Europa Conference League or if they're somehow going to pull off the magical run in Champions League. Um, I guess anything can happen, but they have a mountain to climb for any chance of that. Well, on to the pre the preview of Match Week 26. We have a reschedule between Arsenal and Everton. Uh, let's not forget, Arsenal still sit atop the Premier League at 57 points. Everton are now back in the relegation zone at 21 points. But last time out, Daesh got the best of our title, winning 1-0 only a few weeks back. One of his first games in control of the club. Uh, but since then, Everton, they've lost two, won one, and Arsenal have won two and drawn one. So, at home, at the Emirates for Arsenal, thinking that they'll probably be smooth sailing, no issues for Arsenal this time, Brandon? Yeah, I just can't see it. Um, 
but you know, I don't want to doubt Daesh, but yeah, one, you're not going to beat them twice, and I don't think you'll get two results in the season against Arsenal. I think this, I don't know if it'll be super ugly. Um, Arsenal's just so consistent. When they play badly, they are still good. Um, and I think that's something we've said yeah. even when they've lost or tied games. Um, so this will be, you know, uh, probably a 3 nothing Arsenal win. But if Everton score first, watch out. <laughs> Dice ball's coming. <laughs> well, what's going to be important is uh, Arsenal still have that game in hand over Man City. So this is actually you know a, a game where they can continue to increase their lead. I think they're at two points right now. They get the chance to go up to five. So, you know, a game like this against Everton is going to be really, really important. Um, that tower race is going to be close. We know Manchester City has shown their vulnerability, slipping up a couple of times recently. Um, but Arsenal, you know, like we saw a couple weeks ago, they have lost to Everton. So anything can happen, but I'm not worried. Uh, they are just, I think, leaps and bounds above what Everton want to be and where they're even close to being. Um, I wouldn't be worried as a Gunner fan, Steven. But the, I think the most intriguing and exciting matchup we have on the docket is the second-placed Manchester City team going against fifth-placed Newcastle. Those two teams are now separated by a 14-point gap. Um, but back in August, these teams drew in a thrilling 3-3 matchup. It feels like yesterday, honestly, for me. The season's just been flying by. Uh, but that's when the Newcastle journey sort of began their run. Everything's been going for them. But since 2006 and league play, it has not been a fun series for the Magpies. Manchester City have a 25-5-1 record against them. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what they can muster up this go-around. City ended the match taking 10 points in their last five, while Newcastle have only taken six points recently and suffered a defeat last time out against Steven's cheeky Liverpool team he keeps picking for whatever reason. Uh, but hey... Fool me once, can't get fooled again at the Etihad this Saturday again, Steve, for Newcastle? Uh, yes. I I just don't think that Newcastle are going to... I look at what Manchester City did this past week. Uh, 4-1, I believe it was to Bournemouth. Um, and they're feeling the pressure. It's and We're coming to the final stretch of the season. Uh, Manchester City are wanting to turn it on. They're not enjoying being in second place. And so I think with the form of Newcastle kind of slipping a little bit over the past couple of weeks or so, um, Holland's out for blood, and it's at home at the rockin' Etihad of Manchester City. Um, I say that sarcastically. But, um, yeah, I think... I think Manchester City will be analyzing that drawback in August, if not this entire season, definitely this week. Uh, so I think they're going to go out there, show their class, um, and the difference between these two sides. And I got a big Manchester City win, uh, a real big statement win as well with Champions League on the horizon for next week. Um, yeah, I think they're looking to get back in form and get that confidence going. And a win against Newcastle is still a big win. Uh, Newcastle's fifth, I believe, right now. So still flirting with that top four conversation. So if they go out and get a statement win against Newcastle, it would be a huge boost for this club uh, going into a really important week next week. Brandon, Newcastle are f coming off of that Carabao Cup final loss to Manchester United. And I guess my question for you, is that going to hurt them? Is that going to bruise them in their run for a Champions League spot? 
Um, or is it maybe going to be a boost of, you know, we can now focus on the Premier League. Um, we'll go on this run at the end of the season. Uh, is it going to negatively affect them after that loss? Um, maybe. I, I don't know. I Newcastle's been pretty tough to, to beat this year. Um and I think they still were in that Carabao Cup game. It's and it was it was we'll get into it later, but I think it was a great cup final. Um and they played pretty well still. This is the league though, and I think they're taking the league much more seriously than they were that Carabao Cup run, um, to be completely honest. I know the results haven't showed, but I honestly think they're due for a win. Um I don't think they've won like the last like four games or something like that last five games maybe a bunch of draws in there and a loss to Liverpool as well so I think this could get real sticky um Eddie Howe might have something up his sleeve and he's gonna have to to really beat this Manchester City side but I would be watching out for Newcastle in this game um I do think Manchester City will win it but I'm not counting Newcastle out by any means I think it'll be really close yeah, uh, definitely going to be a great game. Uh, always fun to see uh, the big the big teams go up against one another, and those Newcastle fans will definitely travel well, as we saw them do this past weekend in London at Wembley. Chelsea back at it against Leeds. This one, last time out, Leeds, they beat Chelsea 3-0 in August. Um, they actually hold the all-time record over the Blues in all competitions, uh, a 40-30-37 and 37 record between the two clubs. Like we said, Chelsea winless and their last five coming off back-to-back defeats. Um, Yeah, not looking good. They just lost to Southampton and, as we just talked about, Tottenham. So let's talk about this one, guys. We sort of mentioned it. Uh, Leeds, if they get the win, that's just going to boost their confidence to stay in the league. Uh, We sort of talked about Graham Potter a little bit, but if Chelsea managed to lose this game or even, let's just say, blow a lead and get a late, 2-2 draw or something like that. I don't know. Is this the rock bottom for this club that we will see them go to, Brandon? They could drop into the bottom half. I think Villa play Crystal Palace at the weekend. So if Villa win, they'll hop above Chelsea. Um, Yeah, Chelsea could be sitting bottom half by this weekend, which is just crazy. That is insane. Um, yeah, this will be rock bottom. I don't know the last time they were ever this low. Um, I, yeah, it, it is unreal, especially again, being a dead horse, but all the money they've spent, they bring it, they, they fire a world-class manager and bring in an up and coming guy who's really struggling. Like it's just all going wrong for Chelsea and it could, it could get worse this weekend. Steve, what do you see happening in this one? Yeah, I like honestly think Leeds can go out and beat Chelsea. Like I I won't go as far to say that I expect that to happen, but I expect in it like a very close game. And if I had to put money on it, which this isn't my bet for the week, but if I put money on it, I'd be putting it on a draw. Um but not ex- and would be surprised if Leeds won. Uh there's no positives from this Chelsea team. And you look at the fall from grace of Chelsea and Liverpool this season. Of, But these teams are different. Liverpool has a lot of issues. Uh, but they can score goals. They look creative up front. You kind of see what they're doing a little bit. But Chelsea, it's just 
you don't know what's going on with this team. It's it's the defense. It's the midfield. It's the striker. It's the manager. It's it's all over the place. Um, so yeah, I'm if I'm a Chelsea fan, I am genuinely worried about a team that I believe will be relegated this year in Leeds United. Um, I mean, they beat you three nil in August. That happened. You haven't scored goals in your last two games. So you haven't scored goals in, in two Premier League matches, and you're about to be up against this high-pressing Leeds team that can expose you um, like they did in August. So you better win. You better win, Graham Potter, uh, or it's going to be absolutely maddening. And real quick, I know we've talked a lot about Chelsea, but they deserve it. Um, it comes to a point about pride, I believe, as a Chelsea board as well. Um, they might even want to keep Graham Potter, but to the fans, they literally might owe a sacking. It, it gets to this uncomfortable territory to where it's like, you, you might know in the back of your head, the results won't change, but at least you did something to like have a martyr almost. And, uh, Graham Potter is getting higher on that list. So, anyways, that's what I'll say. I, I genuinely think Leeds could go out and get a result against against Chelsea this weekend. Yeah, well, I think there's sort of some irony. I think the Todd Bowley era coming in after the Roman Abramovich era, you know, Abramovich was known for being, you know, that kind of cutthroat owner, you know, firing managers at the on a moment's notice. And Todd Bowley is supposed to be this guy where he'll bring more stability but bring the same spending and yeah, there would be a bit of irony if he had to fire his manager because they're actually playing poorly. You know, Chelsea in the past when they fire their managers weren't, if I remember correctly, haven't been even on the bottom half. It's like, oh, we're in sixth or seventh. We're str- struggling, you know, quote unquote. And it's like, no, this is actually the one time Chelsea would be warranted to fire a manager. And it's probably the one time they don't want to fire a manager. It's like... Or they, sorry, it's the one time that they do deserve to be fired. So, yeah, it's sort of crazy to me uh, to think about that. Um, they're just in such a weird position as a club. You talk about the pride. Their whole thing is the pride of the lion. It's just like they do not look like a pride right now. They look disjointed. Players don't look excited to play for the club, for the badge. Um, and they're at Stanford Bridge this weekend. We'll see how the fans and supporters respond to the club. Um, will we start seeing, you know, Different signs pop up, you know, potter out or different chants. Will we see any messages to the board? I don't know, um, but it will be interesting to see what happens at Stanford Bridge against Leeds on the weekend. But that club that we'd mentioned in the same breath, Liverpool hosting Man United, a matchup of old, a great rivalry between the two clubs in red. Manchester United took the first matchup at Old Trafford by a score of 2-1 to one with goals from Rashford and Sancho. Back when uh, this guy named Cristiano Ronaldo was on the bench, uh, remember that time at Man United? I feel like ages ago at this point. Uh, but that was Manchester United's first win in the Premier League against Liverpool since 2018, which United finished second in the league under City that year. Um, kind of crazy to think about that long of a streak. Uh, back when Alexis Sanchez and Lukaku were playing at Manchester United together back in the Mourinho era. Also feels like ages ago. United have 10 points in their last five games with wins against Leicester. That one was 3-0 and leads 2-0. And not to mention that Carabao Cup final, they just picked up the silverware, the first in the Eric Ten Hag era. 
first since 2016 when they had a 2-0 win over Newcastle Newcastle in the League Cup. Uh, Liverpool having a scoreless draw against Palace. I can't talk right now. Scoreless draw over Palace over the weekend and a dismantling by Real Madrid 5-2 in the midweek. That one got ugly real quick. Five unanswered goals. Uh, but they have taken eight points in the last five Premier League games. So they're sort of on the up and up. Um, and maybe even have a chance at the top four, Stephen. Um, with their form currently and in a European spot, uh, do we expect them to frustrate United, give maybe a win or a draw against them? Yeah, uh, I'm just pumping Liverpool propaganda into our into our channel here, honestly. <laughs> um, I'm not getting paid for it either, so LeBron James, hit me up. Um, anyways, um, yeah, I just think... I think Liverpool doesn't have any pressure of just go out. God. Liverpool has the better success against United recently. That's the facts we've been talking about since 2018. Liverpool have been owning this matchup. Um, I think they can go out and get a draw and frustrate United, like Cole's kind of saying. Um, it's going to be, I believe it's at uh, Anfield as well. Quoted by all the top managers of the toughest place to play. Um, I think they need this result, especially after a horrible performance against Real Madrid. I think they might... Honestly, the players might be already booking their ticket out of the Champions League. I don't know. That's not their mentality, of course. But they want a statement win over Manchester United. It's kind of when you get knocked down, but there's an opportunity in front of them. It's if these players will take it. And it's going to say a lot about this Liverpool squad, how they line up against Manchester United, how they play, the intensity. Can they go out and get a draw at least at home against a team that's in third place right now in the league? Um, they have been on the up and up domestically. Eight points the last ten. They're clawing slowly up the table, um, unlike Chelsea, who's in a free fall. So they need this result. They need at least a draw. Um, and I think... I think they can go out and do it. This this game back in August was two to one, uh, so we'll see. We'll see if my uh, my front three of Nunez and Salah Gakpo can get it done. I don't know why I turned into a Liverpool fan this season. I just love Jurgen Klopp, <laughs> and I love how this team it's it's not built on money building like we've been talking about this episode. And so we'll see um, what last juices of this original Liverpool team kind of from the Champions League, Premier League winning teams that they have left uh, to maybe get a result. We'll see. Brandon, are the Anfield faithful going to be Ten Hag's next victim? Yes. Uh, Manchester United is not <laughs> losing this game. Um, no chance. I think... Um... So Liverpool play Wolves in the middle of the week, and I think they'll they'll you know get their anger out there. You would think they would have done it at the weekend against Crystal Palace, but they looked awful against Crystal Palace. So you know a win's coming at some yeah. point. So it's going to be against Wolves in the middle of the week, and then they're going to get hit by the the Red Devils right in the freaking mouth. I think I I think it could get bad again. I think it could be like three one Manchester United. Um, honestly, like I think. Manchester United is should be they're not actually which we'll get into later when we do our bets they're not favorites for this game but they should be um, a draw I think is the best Liverpool could do to be honest Liverpool is bad they are not good and let me just let me just tell you 
One team is playing Fabinho and one team is playing Casemiro. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that there. So you, you, you think about that for a minute. You, you tell me who's going to win the game. <laughs> yeah, one team definitely going the other direction than the other. And on the flip side of it, in the Champions League, Liverpool, we sort of hinted at it, had a very rough go at it against Real Madrid. They actually started out pretty well, getting up to the 2-0 lead. Things were looking amazing at Anfield, but then five unanswered Real Madrid goals. Uh, Both goalkeepers sort of making uncharacteristic mistakes, leading to different goals. Um, But yeah, Liverpool extending their poor run against Real Madrid. They haven't beaten them in their last seven matchups against one another. And obviously those Champions League finals certainly sit high in the memory of Liverpool faithful. But the question being, guys, can Liverpool create any of that 2019 Champions League magic again? Remember that tie against Barcelona where they came back, what was it, 3-0 down or something like that? The Origi goal, all the drama, the Trent Alexander corner, uh... I guess, Brandon, you're more the pessimist than Steven is for whatever reason right now with uh, Liverpool. Uh, can they create any of that magic again and mount some sort of comeback at the Bernabeu? No chance. No. No. Do you want me to explain why? <laughs> I mean, no. There's, there is no chance <laughs> they're getting out of this. They dug themselves a grave in that first matchup. Liverpool, that, like, Anfield's their home. It's their fortress, and they can't get it done there. No, yeah. no chance. Steve, is it all done and dusted? Yeah, listen, I love Liverpool for whatever reason this year, but who is my dark horse to win the Champions League last time around? Real Madrid. And, I mean, you got to argue that they're favorites again, right? So, at home, I don't think Liverpool can overcome this deficit that they dug themselves into. It was an abysmal performance um, against Real Madrid, so I think it's honestly in their best interest just to God, just just bow out. Just get out of the Champions League. Try to finish as high as you can in the Premier League. Um, you're not beating Real Madrid. That's just not happening. Um, it's not going to happen. I honestly don't – yeah, I'm with Brandon. We don't really need to explain why. They're, they're not going to beat Real Madrid uh, at the Bernabeu. Um, yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. No, I, I definitely see where you guys are coming from. The best thing they could probably hope for is pray at the downfall of Newcastle and the Premier League. Um, I think the top, you know, I think Tottenham, Man U, City, um, Arsenal, they're looking pretty solid right now. Newcastle, we'll see. Um, but yeah, maybe they'll get that fourth spot. Maybe they'll have to sell for Europa League this year. We'll see. But Champions League looks like it is over. Uh, Frankfurt and Napoli, the Nap, the the. I can't talk tonight. My goodness gracious. <laughs> Napoli getting it done once again. Osterman uh, just continuing his hot streak. Uh, Brandon, your guy, Kavicha, Kavicha, however you say it, um, getting the assist. Um, if the deficit wasn't bad already, one of Frankfurt's best players, uh, Colo Milani, received a red card in the match, so he won't even see the second leg. Uh, Frankfurt probably lucky to even get through to the round of 16. Uh, looking sort of dire for them right now, Brandon. Any chance they can even imagine going through against Napoli? No chance for them either. They were favorites in this game, I think we mentioned last week somehow. 
Uh, and I think it was because they're home crowd. I said, throw that in the bin. Um, Napoli doesn't care about your feelings, and they don't. Um, they're the best team in world football this year. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're easily going through. Yeah, I don't see Frankfurt having any chance on going through. Uh, RB Leipzig and Man City, a surprising result in this first leg. Uh, Mara's got the opening goal of the game in the 27th minute. Uh, but Gavardio, you might remember him. All that talk surrounding him in the World Cup, he actually stays put at Leipzig. He didn't get the big transfer. Maybe we'll see it come in the summer. Probably get a big price. But he gets the equalizer in the 70th minute. So an interesting setup for that second leg back in Manchester uh, City, guys. We've talked about this time and time again. They need to win Champions League. Like There's no ifs and buts about it. This is the competition they want to win. They're going to throw everything they can, everything in the kitchen sink to win this competition. RP Leipzig shouldn't have been that big of a roadblock, but the fact that they got a 1-1 draw might show that they're vulnerable and could potentially lose in Manchester, Steven. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, this team is vulnerable. You see it uh, in Europe with Leipzig as well as domestically with Tottenham. Like, I love Tottenham, but God, like... (sighs) This team looks on top of the world one week, scoring goals at will, and just so exposed on other games. So I do have confidence that City will go through at home. Um, I think if the results in Germany was a little different, if they had lost 2-1 to one or something like that, if they were down a goal or two, it would be higher stakes. I think they can get it done. City need to win Champions League, like you said. I think they get it through and they save the heartbreak for later for their supporters just to get them a little bit more invested into their team. Uh, But I think they can get it taken care of um, at home against Leipzig. Yeah, I think we'll have to keep our eyes on it. Pep, man, he needs that trophy. It's going to be sitting there haunting him if they lose and bow out once again. I'm optimistic they'll get through, um, but they'll be uh, maybe looking over their shoulders on this one against RB Leipzig. Inter Milan and Porto. This is a solid matchup. We hinted at this one going into the round of 16. Porto, not any kind of pushover. Inter Milan uh, getting the unlikely hero back in the lineup. Romelu Lukaku scoring in the 86th minute to grab the win for Inter, looking the likeliest to go through between the two teams. Um, Brandon, anything of note for these two teams? Are Inter maybe kind of just being overlooked in this Champions League? I think so, but... uh... This Porto team is is good as well. It's a, it's a really fair matchup. Um, I think Inter will go through, but you know they're they're headed to Portugal in the second leg. Um, yeah, it'll be an interesting matchup. Um, yeah, I did not have Lukaku scoring a like a basically a last minute winner in, in the cards uh, on my bingo card for this for this game, but uh, he Get shows in. up I guess, when, when he when he needs to and. Um, Good for Enter, my dark horse, and yeah, I'll keep I'll keep riding the horse. <laughs> I love Enter that Lukaku is wearing number ninety. Like they they always just have the weirdest numbers on their players, um, and it's adding insult to injury that he's scoring in the Champions League after his horrendous stint with Chelsea last year. Um, just showing, you know, he can still get it done here and there, um, but still not at all worth the price tag he was. Um, but hey, back in England, we had that Carabao Cup final between Manchester United and Newcastle. We talked about how this was a matchup 
all the way back in 1998, the last time Newcastle was in a cup final, and Casemiro getting the header from a set piece in the 33rd minute. Obviously, the decisive goal because Newcastle did not have any. And six minutes later, the hottest man on the planet, it seems, one of them at least, that man, Marcus Rashford, getting it done again, getting a massively deflected goal to go two up before the half. And a good game. You know, both sides showed up to play well. Um, obviously, the edge going to Manchester United. Ten Hag gets Man U's first trophy since that Europa League in 16-17, which ironically was against Ajax at that point. Um, and they also won the Carabao Cup that year, 3-2 against Southampton. So, as Man U were looking for, they've got one cup. They have their four competitions that they've been in, three still left to play for. Uh, if they had to pick one brand that they were going to chase the most, which one do you think it would be? Ooh. I don't think they'll win the Premier League, but I think they would want the Premier League out of all the other ones for sure. Um, that's not going to happen, I don't think. Uh, but this again, this year could it's it's a great year in the Premier League. I'm really enjoying it. It, it could flip. Um, I think Europa League would be their their next favorite. How how funny would it be if they basically if, if Ten Hag brings in his his era. Uh, sort of as Mourinho esque, Mourinho leading them in that sixteen seventeen season to the Europa League champions and uh, the Carabao Cup winners as well. So that would be sort of funny, like a funny parallel there. Yeah, I think they'll take the Europa League out of the, out of the other ones. Yeah, they'll definitely be favorites in that tournament after their impressive. Uh, really, actually, I don't want to fail to mention that that matchup between Barcelona felt like a Champions League tie. Uh, both games are really, really fun to watch. Uh, I'm sure in the summer we'll be talking about Barcelona, the repercussions of losing Europa League financially. I'm sure we'll have some more levers to pull, Kronk. Uh, but Steven, what can we say about how Eric Ten Hag has turned Manchester United around and maybe giving it more of his identity, especially through the Ronaldo saga, everything surrounding Harry Maguire and the defense? What can we say about what he's done to this team? What I can say is Manchester United is third in the Premier League without Weghurst as their striker. That's what I can say. Um, and what I can also say is you give this man a summer transfer window, uh, in addition to what he's built on this week, uh, I mean this year, Manchester United are challenging for the title next year, absolutely. I don't think they do it this year. Uh, that last question, I think they actually go for the, I think the FA Cup, if they win the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup this year, it's almost like this putting pressure on English football, like, hey, we're here, you know? Um, this team is very good. Uh, shedding dead weight, never thought I'd call Ronaldo dead weight, but they did that. Um, and the success has just been absolutely immense. The fans are bought in. The board is bought in. There is some excitement around Manchester United. Uh, like we said, winning the first piece of silverware since 2016. Um, trophies talk, baby. I wouldn't know. I'm a Tottenham fan. But um, I think United fans should be excited about the future. Ten Hag is the real deal. And I think he'll be there for a while. Um he, he got a trophy, 2016. Like, let's think about that. That's seven years, right? That United's yeah. gone without a trophy, so they win the English League Cup. So you give this man a summer transfer window. God, I hope he doesn't take Harry Kane from me. But um, it, an improved United squad, it's going to be awesome to see. So Tin Hogg is the real deal. He's staying. 
and Manchester United's back, baby. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned the Tottenham. Uh, we just celebrated 15 years this week, Steve, of no trophies. Uh, what a great anniversary to celebrate. No, it feels like he has them ahead of schedule, though. You know, I think at the beginning of the season, people thought sort of a rebuilding-ish year for them just kind of get settled under Ten Hag. Probably would have seen Liverpool and Chelsea finish ahead of them. Honestly, like I think we may have even had them finishing like sixth potentially in the league. So not at all, I think, what people were expecting them to be third and still in that title contention talk. Uh, sort of crazy having them ahead of schedule like they are right now. The players are playing hard. Marcus Rashford is playing out of his boots. Uh, really, really fun football to watch them play. But Newcastle, they got to the Carabao Cup final. That's an impressive display from them. They're still in the Champions League five, or the four um, uh, run. But let's just talk about the loss. Are they going to be down and out after this one, Steve? Or are they going to be optimistic? The fans were incredible. Um, you know, it was really, really cool to see them. The flags in the 89th minute, they knew they were going to lose, but they still were supporting the Magpies. Um, but how are, we gonna, how are they going to feel after that loss? Yeah, I mean, I think they'll be bummed out, but honestly, it's expected. Um, Newcastle made it a, a really cool cup run to a final. Uh, if you were to tell a Newcastle fan that they'd be in contention for top four and they'd have a chance to win silverware against Manchester United in a final, they wouldn't believe you, right? Um, this... This takeover, this this huge financial boost into their club has been relayed onto results. Uh, I know they've been slipping of late, but there's really no reason to be discouraged. Um, just focus on your league form. You missed that on the trophy. Sucks. Unfortunate circumstances. You put your th third goalkeeper out there. Uh, but, yeah, Newcastle's been a tough team to play, like Brandon's been saying. Um, really tough to score goals against Newcastle. Great defense, so... If I was a Newcastle fan, I wouldn't be discouraged. I don't know if that's the apathy of being a Tottenham fan again. But, I mean, you're in a final against United, and, and you lost against a team that was better than you. So it's kind of and a good game, too. So it's not really like you got embarrassingly played off the pitch. So I think you can take that in stride and try to go out and get a result um, domestically throughout the rest of the way. Yeah, no, Absolutely. Well, one of the two of the domestic cups still up for grab. You have the Premier League and the FA Cup. The FA Cup has some good matchups this week. Fulham and Leeds going up against each other. Man U back at it against West Ham. And then Sheffield United and Tottenham. Ugh, we were robbed of that Wrexham-Tottenham matchup. Wrexham would have hosted it as well. Could you imagine the spectacle that would have been? Really, really a shame that we're not getting it. Uh, the Sheeblees Cup ended last week. Mally Swanson winning the MVP. Um... The U.S. beating Brazil to win that little cup. And then the MLS is back the first weekend. Uh, really, really awesome to have soccer back in the United States and North America. St. Louis City SC winning their first ever match away at Austin FC. 3-2. Beautiful goal by Zhao Klaus, who we did highlight last week in that MLS preview. Go check it out if you haven't. We also did a kit reviews. All the new kits for the 2023 season, definitely check it out. Um, but unlikely uh, result for them to get it done at Austin. Austin was a fortress to go up and play against, so massive, massive to get their win in their first ever MLS match. Toronto getting their heart broken, conceding two goals in the 90th and 98th minute versus DC United. Christian Benteke getting the winner late, uh, not the start that they wanted to see. Uh, you saw players like Bernadeschi really showing their frustration uh, just losing their markers there at the end to DC United. 
El Trafico, this was supposed to be a huge display, massive match at the Rose Bowl, getting postponed to very unlikely severe weather in the Los Angeles area. Snow happening really, really crazy in Southern California. Hail, all the stuff going on down there. So that one has been postponed to the 4th of July, a patriotic day. We'll probably see that Rose Bowl game sold out. And then at Lady Nida, guys, we didn't look as hot. You know, maybe it was a little bit expected. We had a rough up and down season last go around. Um, we had a missed PK in the 43rd minute. Luis Arujo taking over the duties there with the absence of Joseph Martinez going to Miami. But managed to win the game 2-1 to one versus San Jose on the back of two brilliant goals from Tiago Almada. And I will say, I was there and the supporter section, the opposite end of those goals happening. So I had a perfect, clear view of what was going on. The first one, you, you could just feel the energy was really ramping up. In the 90th minute, you know, I was in the 80th minute, like, there's got to be at least eight minutes of extra time. San Jose were time-wasting, going down with injuries. Crowd was feeling it, booing them, but getting behind the team. And then Alma, the World Cup winners, getting two beautiful goals, uh, going wild. I got the video of the second one of just beer flying everywhere, perfect angle to goal, just insane. So good to have soccer back in the city. And hopefully, you know, not a sign of things to come as far as the poorish play for 80 or so minutes, um, but rather the end being the positive that we can hopefully build off of that and maybe get our striker his stinking visa so Yorgos Yakimakis can play for the club and start scoring some goals with our striker. But the MLS Fast Five is where we're going to end the day. Our tradition of giving five games you want to watch, our scores and the predictions of where they will go in a quick manner. Getting us started with LASC versus Portland, Stephen. Your prediction is what? Yes, uh, as we recorded the episode tonight, Portland just took a the first game of the season, 1-0 over Kansas City. Uh, but I got LAFC in this one, 2-1 over Portland. I think it's going to be a great game, two awesome teams. But I'm going the MLS champions over Portland, 2-1. to Two games on this list have LA teams that didn't get to play one game. So I actually have a draw, 1-1 LAFC versus Portland, just because Portland's got that game under their belt. LAFC having to figure things out. 1-1 draw seems good to me. Brandon, what do you think? Yeah, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of a hangover period, if you will, for MLS Cup winners. Um, I just think they're too good. I like Steven's score of a 2-1 win for LAFC. I like it. I like it. And we'll definitely be keeping our eyes peeled to see if their banner will be bigger than NYCFC's. Hopefully it's nothing like a poster board strapped to the side of a railing. Hopefully it's a proper banner at the new stadium. Orlando City takes on Cincinnati. Steve, what do you see going on this one? Yeah, I, I really like Orlando City this year. Uh, Cincinnati's great as well. I believe both these teams won their first games out. Um, so for those reasons, I think it's going to be a 1-1 draw. I think it's going to be really entertaining, but I don't think the deadlock is broken. I got 1-1. I've got Brendan Vasquez opening his MLS bank account this season. It's going to be the only goal in the game, 1-0 Cincinnati. Brandon Vasquez at the double, 2-0 Cincy. Love it. Enter Miami. They play host to Philadelphia. Philadelphia had a great season. Miami making the playoffs, Steven. Good matchup for this one. Yeah, Philly looked very dominant in their first game of the season, um, coming out winning 4-1. to one. I think the trend continues, and I believe they dispatch Inter-Miami 
with a score of three to one in the favor of Philadelphia. I'm sort of similar, just one less goal, two one in favor of the Union. They're gonna get it done against the black and pink Miami Flamingos, Brandon. Yeah, my M- uh, MLS MVP shout, Gazdag had a brace in the first week. Uh, I think he'll probably score again. Um, I'll say 2 nothing Philadelphia. LA Galaxy on the road, their first game going up against FC Dallas, Steven. FC Dallas, what do you think they'll do? Yeah, um, I think FC Dallas dropped this one to the LA Galaxy. LA Galaxy, I mean, they haven't even played a game yet. Am I already gonna call them my dark horse? I might. Uh, I really like. I really like this team. Um, the way the roster is built up right now. So I think they start off the year with a positive note of a two to one win over FC Dallas. They addressed the needs that they needed. Important players left the club and they filled them with Tyler Boyd and uh, Striker as well. So I think they're gonna be good. And they just filled their role today on loan. That Arujo uh, wingback brought in a player from I think Flamingo. And Brazil, so they just got a young guy named Lucas on loan. Uh, it's not going to be enough though in their first game. FC Dallas winning two to one for me. Yeah, I th- I don't think Ferrer scored in the first week. He'll score here. It'll be a close game, but it'll be a one nothing win for FC Dallas. And then in a historic matchup, the two newest MLS clubs, St. Louis, playing host to Charlotte, first ever MLS game playing in the city. Steve, can they get the historic win at home? Here's the thing. Uh, I want to ask that St. Louis fan over there to pass me that Kool-Aid. Yeah, uh, I'm drinking it after this first win against Austin. Uh, might as well. I think they're going to win 1-0 against Charlotte. They looked good. Uh, this St. Louis team played very well together. I actually ended up watching this entire game. Um, but they they look like they've been playing together for a while. So I think if they can get it done in Austin's atmosphere... Charlotte has a good atmosphere as well, to be honest. Um, but I think they're going to be riding high. First first year in the season, you know, in the in the sorry in the league with MLS. I think um, I think Klaus might be on that score sheet again. Uh, I think they're going to win one zero. For me, I think history shows that the the new MLS clubs struggled their first away game and home game. I think two two draw a bit ambitious to win both of them. Not getting it done at home, but something to, you know, be proud of. Yeah, they'll be at home breaking in the new stadium. Um, I mean, look, if you can get a win against Austin, to be fair, they were hanging on for dear life a good portion of that game if you watched it. But uh, I want to go with a two. They're going to give up a goal. So I'll say a 2-1 win at home for St. Louis. All right, that was our MLS Fast Five. What do you think? What are your predictions? Leave a comment down below with your predictions for the MLS this week. Our final segment, you betcha our chance as amateur bettors in no ways of betting advice, but we have some predictions taking the highs and lows of the odds. Steven, your lock for the week will be what? Yeah, I'm going with probably the least sexiest pick out of all three. Um, but I'm going for a Fulham win against Brentford on Monday. They are plus 260 uh, against Brentford. So, yes, Brentford's actually favored at plus 100. Uh, Fulham higher on the table. I like this Fulham team. We've talked about them a lot this season. Um, I think they get it done against Brentford, plus 260. I like those odds. I like that bet. So lock it in. 
Brandon, your lock for the week? Yeah, that game, Steve, screams draw for me. Um, so I'm glad you took that bet. Um, I just don't see how Man United is not the favorite against Liverpool. I'm taking Man United to pull the double over Liverpool this year at plus 175. Um, can somebody tell me how, how the bookies made those odds? I have no clue. Man United for me, lock it in. My lock for the week is Man City and Newcastle. Newcastle responding to that Carabao Cup final loss with a draw against the champions on March 4th. The odds at plus 390 for the draw. I'll take that safe bet for me. Um, I think they can get the result in two draws in a season in Man City. Why not? I like those odds. Well, everybody, thank you, the viewers, and thank you guys for making this a great episode. We have reached the conclusion of yet another episode of the Supporter Section. We hope you enjoyed our time together today on the show. If you made it this far, go ahead and leave a like. Subscribe if you have not already. And, uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. I've been Cole Carter. They have been Stephen Curl and Brandon Paisnick. As we say, enjoy another loaded week of football. Until the next one, peace out, everyone. We'll see you guys next time. See ya.